0: Society, the top, the podcast that talks about all news and development in the educational field. We have a good show for you today as I'm joined by Karen Previty, an ESL teacher from Massachusetts, as we discuss the use of vision boards in the classroom, as well as the growth and growth mindset. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Today's guest is Karen Previty, an ESL teacher from Massachusetts. And first of all, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well. How are you?
0: Good, good, good. I just uh, hoping for the best for this. I just want to end the school year, like alive. That's all I want to do.
1: That's yeah, I'd <laughs> rather be back in school right now. It's definitely not the same looking at a screen for most of the day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I just, all these adjustments, all these things that I thought I would never have to do, all of a sudden I'm doing. Uh, and so yeah so Mm -hmm.
1: it's hard it's I definitely teaching English online you know I feel like as adults we know you need to experience a language and I just feel like online it's totally different
0: yeah you're right Um, but yeah let's uh, I know you're an avid traveler and obviously the pandemic has pretty much put a setback on almost everyone's uh, traveling plans so as soon as this like pandemic is over and I guess we're some kind of like Normalcy. Where's the Where's the first place you want to travel to?
1: So funny that you should ask this. So I'm currently in grad school, and I told myself after grad school I would go to Australia to swim with the turtles. And ironically, it's like one of the safest countries at the moment um, uh. because of all their precautions and protocols. But they don't want us to come in because <laughs> we're not safe <laughs> at the moment. Um, So that is my plan. And I'm kind of thinking about it right now. I'm like, do I plan it for this summer and have it get canceled and reschedule it? Or should I just wait it out another year? I'm not really sure, but I'm just really eager to go. So (laughs) we'll see. We'll see what happens at this point. Uh, Yeah,
0: you're right. I think it's Australia and New Zealand that have pretty much it like it under control. Yep. So, but with, so how long has Australia been on your on your, I guess on? your wish list to travel then?
1: So actually since I graduated from my undergraduate career. So after my undergraduate career, I went to Italy after I graduated. Yeah. And so I try to make it like a goal of mine after I accomplish something big like that. I want to go somewhere and travel. And I really like to bring my experiences back and souvenirs back for my students so I consider it somewhat of a professional development in a way (laughs) Um, but it's been on my mind since like since I graduated since 2017 in my undergrad so now it's like oh do I have to wait longer what should I do so stay tuned for that.
0: Oh, yeah, the way I look at it, because I'm in, I'm in grad school too, and I, I plan to travel. Like the longer, I guess, it gets postponed because of the pandemic. In my mind, I'm like, you now think of all the money that I'm saving, and then at the same time, I plan on staying longer <laughs> wherever I was going to travel. I was just planning on staying longer than uh, than I my initial trip or plans. Mm-hmm. So, but. <laughs> But you know, speaking of you being an avid traveler, where has been your favorite place that you traveled to and why?
1: So pre-pandemic, I went um, to Iceland over February vacation. So I'm kind of living off of that still. Oh. Um, <laughs> and it was the most beautiful place I have ever been to. The weather was really similar to Boston. So it was like 30 to 40 degrees, which may seem cool to you. But to me, that's normal. Um, but it was a little warmer surprisingly. Um, but just the sights, all the nature was just beautiful and I brought back candy for my students and we got to try it. Um, I brought my favorite thing to do is to bring back um books from other countries. I've gotten books where they have both lang- English and the home country's language. Um, I got some popular books in Icelandic language, like Dogman and things like that. So I just love being able to bring that back to my students. But that's the last place I went and I definitely want to go back in the summer because I heard it looks totally different than it does in the winter. But I recommend both. Both oh. seasons.
0: <laughs> Do you mm-hmm. ever get like any weird requests of like silver news <laughs> to bring back from your travels?
1: From my students
0: yeah or i guess anyone else family or friends
1: not usually i feel like i'm pretty good at buying gifts for people sometimes it might be like oh can you bring me back candy or like a book usually i bring back candy or something that you should get in the country like a big thing i got for my friends and family when i was in iceland was wool um oh sweaters and scarves and everything. Cause that's like a big thing out there because it's freezing cold. And those Icelandic sweaters, um, those are, if you've seen those online, those are the real deal. They do look like that and they wear them on a daily basis, but haven't gotten asked to get anything like weird or out of the ordinary when I go, but.
0: Okay. All right. And there are some people that collect, I guess, dirt or land from their travels as well. Um, but yeah, uh, correct me if I'm mistaken, but I think you, you do collect currency from your travels, right?
1: Yes, I do.
0: And I think uh, I think it was one of your posts. Uh, I think you were sharing currency with your students. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah. So one of our units was we were talking about spending money. And I'm like, you know, I'll am ju- just going to bring this up. But I brought I spontaneously because I forgot about it. And then I spontaneously brought it into my lesson where I showed them different currencies around the world. And these were first graders and their reactions are always priceless because they're <laughs> always like, is this play money? Like this doesn't look real at all. And even they were saying, they're like, this doesn't look real. And I was telling them where it was from. And I was asking, you know, if you're from somewhere else, does the money look like this? What does it look like? So because most of my students are from um, South America and Central America. So I like to bring that in. um, And they're they're able to relate to it, too. But it's totally different online because normally I would pass it around in person, but can't do that at the moment.
0: Mm. I think it's funny when they always question your money like is this real and they'll like crumple it up and like (laughs) all of a sudden it's it's tear it in half Mm -hmm. (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I like, I like how you do bring the money. I always like the idea of bringing real realia, whenever you can, um, you know, especially since, since I guess you're dealing with the ELL students, it's nice you know, exposing them to like different cultures. It's, it's a great, awesome idea. And I think you have quite a wide range of students that you work with like from first to sixth grade. And I think when you were with the younger ones, it was at a Montessori, right?
1: hmm yep.
0: Yeah. How, how was that? <laughs>
1: So it's interesting. I started my career at a Montessori school and I wasn't Montessori certified, but I taught there for two years. So I taught in a multi-age classroom grades one through three. And then I moved up with my third graders and taught four through six um, I'm really glad I started there. It was a great supportive community. I loved learning about the Montessori method and how I can bring it into my public school experience and working with ESL students, especially. Um, the whole premise of Montessori is you follow the student, you know, where are they at? If they're not ready to move on to something, don't move on. Um, there is like a spiral curriculum almost. So they will get to where they're supposed to go just at their own pace. Um, which I think is pretty cool. And a lot of teachers are learning that quality and premise during the pandemic a bit, Um, and what's really cool is the older students mentor the younger students, which I think is huge. Um, but I loved it. I loved the Montessori materials. Those are beautiful just to look at, um, and to see the students using, but it was a great way to start my teaching career. So I loved it. Oh,
0: are you still in touch with some of the teachers there? or your coworkers? You-
1: oh yeah. Yeah. I talk to them all the time. So oh. it's nice.
0: Oh, that's nice. That's good. Um, I think you're... <laughs> I like, think you know you describe yourself as a pretty creative person. I think you said you like to write in your spare time. Does that uh, does that mean we're expecting a book anytime in the future? <laughs>
1: So I actually, I did write a children's book. So I took some, I was in college. I was a double major in elementary ed in English. And then for grad school, I did take some English classes and I took writing for publishing. And I wrote a children's book um, about my grandfather. He was, well, yeah, he was Italian, Sicilian, I will say. There is a difference between Italians and Sicilians. Um, and he grew up, um, you know, in the Boston area and, you know, as a kid, he couldn't speak English and he failed first grade four or five times. Um, so the story is kind of about that and how he overcame that. Um, so currently working on sending that to the right people. So hopefully there'll be something in the future, in the near future. So, but yeah, I'm excited.
0: (laughs) All right, when that book comes out, uh, don't forget about your fans.
1: Yes, I'll give one to you, I'll sign it.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you and I are both are in the same boat about grad school, and I guess the way I would describe it for myself is, uh, what's it called? I'm trying to like, I'm barely like floating. <laughs> so I gotta ask, how are you juggling grad school?
1: I feel like the way I would describe it is organized chaos <laughs> <laughs> like why am I doing this to myself like why is this happening and all my classes switch to online so right now I'm going for um ESL and a reading specialist So right now, I feel like I'm in the trenches of my (laughs) master's um, because I'm doing my practicum. And then for my reading specialist license, I have to tutor two students Twice a week on the side, um, using the Orton-Gillingham method. So that's been really cool. But I feel like I'm in the trenches. That's how I would describe it.
0: <laughs> uh, again, you know, again, congratulations. Whenever that's done, and uh, again, I know you have your trip to, to look forward after that. So and. Since, uh, you know, I guess we I think you're a pretty genuinely like happy person and I know you like to dance a lot and there's <laughs> lots of videos of you dancing on Instagram. So, okay, so what's, what's the story behind this? Did you just like to dance? Or is it kind of like a brain break or just let loose?
1: So I danced for 10 years. Uh, um, uh. So I did that when I was a kid, but then I left and did track. But anyways, um, one of my friends like posted or sent me something and she's like, Corinne, you just have to dance it out. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Right. And it releases energy for me. And even with my students, I'm like, guys, we have to dance it out, like relax. And even on brain breaks, most of the time on brain breaks, I have them exercise and get up. But also like I'm sitting around all day on the computer, like not getting up a ton So it's nice just to release that energy. And I just want for me, I just want to be like a positive person in the teacher Instagram community. Um, and encourage other people like, Hey, we finished another week. Like you should feel accomplished and feel good about yourself. Now let's get ready to tackle the next week after a weekend of rest. So that's kind of the whole point behind it. But I just like to have fun and boost morale. That's kind of my mantra. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, uh, I try and have dancing or we go like brain breaks or like tell the kids to uh, shake their wiggles out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's nice. I recently got this dartboard for for Christmas and that's how I've been relieving my stress.
1: I just <laughs> throwing
0: <just> yeah. <laughs> like the darts across the room or sometimes uh I guess the the students or the aides they all see is my arm like move to the left or to the right, but they don't know that I'm throwing a dart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my word.
0: Uh, yeah, um, I know last year, I think it was the last week, you attended, was it called the uh, Elevation Virtual Conference? Is, is that what it's called?
1: Yeah, it was in the fall of this uh-huh. past year, so fall 2020. So I guess kind of last year, but within this school year, yeah.
0: How, how was that?
1: Um, it was cool. Um, <laughs> I learned. Well, it was like a professional development and I chose to go. Um, I kind of, they showed us like a lot of online platforms we could use, but I wish they kind of gave us a little bit more. Um, It was so long ago. Like I feel like everything kind of blurs together. Um, But I just like, they gave us a ton of different online resources to use with ELs, but I feel like we're just being bombarded with so much stuff to use. It's like, well, what do you use? So out of that conference, I decided to use Seesaw for my students. So that's ah, yes. been helpful. Yeah.
0: Yes. yes. Seesaw. So, yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, all this nice technology, but sometimes I, I, I just stick to the basics. Like, yeah. So, and I guess I found out not too long ago that you're also teaching uh, distance learning. So <laughs> I know how it's going for me. Uh, again, I would <laughs> describe it as uh, me building the train tracks as I'm on the train. Um, <laughs> yeah. how, how's it been with you?
1: Uh, it feels the same way. I feel like organized chaos once again. Um, I feel like the con is not being able to see my kiddos, but at the beginning of the year, so my school that I, the district I work in, they were requiring us to work remote at home twice a week and remote at the school twice a week. And so some of my students who had computer problems, like came, they were able to come to the school and people were able to fix it. And I would see them and they would recognize me behind the mask. And I felt like I was meeting this little celebrity <laughs> that I see on the screen all the time. Um, and it, I just, it kind of reminded me like, this is why I got into teaching and this is why I miss it. Just being able to see them, you know, that's the whole premise of teaching in person, you know? Um, and I just feel like it's as tough on them as it is on us teachers. It's just been hard.
0: it was kind of like a celebrity sighting then when uh, yeah
1: (laughs) that's how i felt i was i saw a few of them they recognized me because of my curly hair and they're like hi miss brevity and i was like who are you and i'm like oh my gosh it's this person whoever it is and it was just nice to see them um but you know you have to stay six feet apart and stuff like that but it was a celebrity sighting.
0: That's what I call it. <laughs> yeah. For, for us, um, we had like this packet pickup thing and, uh, the families, you know, they arranged a time to come into the cafeteria and pick up the materials that we prepped for them. And I, for that day I was going back and forth. I kept getting phone calls because I was teaching on, uh, in the classroom, but everyone's still learning from home. And so basically I kept getting phone calls. Oh, you know, Mr. Morales such and such is here to pick up their st- Stuff. like is there anything else you wanted to, for them to pick up and so i'd go back and forth and i would go to the cafeteria and i would recognize the families and they would be standing right next to me and they wouldn't know that it, that it was me They're like oh mr miles i didn't know i didn't notice you with the, with the mask on so it's yeah it's, yeah, it's funny like you know, i could be standing right next to them and they don't know who i am because i got a mask and uh yeah so it's uh it's weird times we're living in mm-hmm. so but let's, let's uh let's jump into our first topic and that's vision boards so for those who don't know um, what are vision boards i i would describe it as just kind of like a great visual tool to help students like stay focused on their goals um we all know what goal setting is and how important it is as a life skill and i don't i think you're never too early to start developing these life skills and you know it really benefits Everybody, all students, you know, at any age. And, you know, by setting these goals, it helps students, like, we teach them about responsibility, you know, being accountable for our goals, making sure we meet them. And, yeah, I, I, I know you're passionate about the whole growth mindset and vision boards and, you know, what a great tool they are. But do you personally use vision boards for yourself?
1: Yeah. So I kind of adapted mine. Um, for students, I like it to be hands on. For me, since I have an iPhone, um, <laughs> um, they just, you know, they have that widgets feature now. So what I did is I used the widgets um, on there and put pictures on there and like motivational words on there. So currently, my vision board on my iPhone is Australia. And I think um, I have a little quote on there that says you can do hard things. Um, so that's kind of my version of a vision board at the moment. But my students, I make them do it like hands on. Hmm.
0: Yeah, there's uh, a yeah, there's many ways to do uh, division boards and uh, what's it called? I, I know in the past, I think you had your students when they had their vision boards, I think you had them had like these front frames saying, I will. Um, I, I think that's pretty powerful. To, like, what's the reason behind these? I will statements.
1: I feel like when you make a goal, you need to be held accountable for it. And if you really want something and you really want it done, there's no hoping there's no like doing it. You just will do it, you know, and I feel like it gives the students a sense of confidence that, oh, I will do this. Maybe not at this very minute, but that doesn't mean I won't get it yet. Um, So I think it gives them a sense of confidence and accountability as well, making these vision boards and I will statements. Yeah. All right.
0: I like that. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty powerful. Kind of like, you know, affirmations. Um, and then vision boards, they, you know, they look different for everybody. I know you said you have a uh, like a digital vision board and you know, some vision boards are strictly pictures or icons with little to no words. Some are just phrases or catch or just uh, quotes. Um, for me, I've been using digital boards, digital, digital, uh, vision boards because of the pandemic. And I've been using Padlet. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Padlet, but okay. the, the important thing to distinguish is that these vision boards, they're not Dream boards, because um, you know, dream boards could be you know aspirations, kind of like things that might not be attainable. Um, for example, you know, I'm not gonna write on a vision board. I'm gonna I'm gonna win the lottery because you know it's not it's not realistic. Uh, the chances are so low, and you know, and second of all, I, I don't even play the lottery. So <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's the main difference between you know a vision board and dream boards. You know, making sure these these goals are attainable and it's. Re- Realistic. When you first started introducing these vision boards to your students, how did you introduce it?
1: Well, so going off of just kind of what you said, I did have a student right. I will win the lottery. <laughs> so with that being said, <laughs> um, I'm like, you're not even old enough to do that. But anyways. Um, I kind of introduced it, um, when I talk about growth mindset and at the beginning of the year, we define what it is and the main definition I kind of use, it's kind of like the power of yet, like just because you don't get something at the moment doesn't mean you won't get it yet. Um, And I liked introducing vision boards at the beginning of the new year last year with my fifth grade friends, um, because I feel like they're at that age where they kind of need that life skill. And I told them, make these realistic and attainable goals. So I gave them examples like, I will read two chapter books in three months or by this end of the school year. And then I gave them non-examples saying, I will win a million dollars, or I will win the lottery. (laughs) And for the student who did write that, I was like, well, let's be realistic. Can you play the lottery? Probably not. But let's do something else. Maybe I will do more chores around the house and save my money from my chores. That would be a more attainable goal for that fifth grade student. Um, so that's kind of how I introduced it and I brought in magazines and everything. Um, and I had the kids bring in their own magazines too. So that was a lot of fun.
0: Ah, I like that. That's good. You know, you know, it's not only just the magazine, whatever the teacher provides, uh, you know, cause my magazines might be boring but, you know, <laughs> if the kids bring their own magazines, you know, from their own interests. And that's a, it's a nice touch. The whole thing about the, these vision boards is you know make like you said making the goals attainable and it's supposed to help the the self confidence because the students if they don't reach these goals and they'll think oh I'm a failure or oh, I don't have the ability to achieve these goals and yeah, it can be, be quite daunting for those who don't have experience with vision boards or creating them and they wonder well, you know, where do I start. For me, I kind of start with some kind of like mind map uh, activity. Basically, I just have the students like write down their ideas, whatever it may be, whether it's a quick doodle or image or symbol and just like bubbles branching from one thing to another slogans you know basically just get whatever ideas they have write it down in some kind of free form fashion uh it can definitely look messy but i think like if would, you would describe like controlled chaos and so the idea is just to gather all our thoughts and then you know at a later time we can take a closer look see what it is we do want to keep what it is we don't want to keep uh you know what's really out of the realm etc do you do some kind of like i guess like mind map activity or just even like a brainstorm activity when trying to help students create these vision boards
1: yeah i guess with my students i just have them we spend like this is like a more of a morning meeting activity we did the vision boards on or like an end of the day activity um that i did with them but I just had like them list out their goals for a minute or anything they want to accomplish. So similar to what you kind of do. Um, so I give them a minute and then I have them stop. And then I'm like, okay, let's think of some examples. What are some of your goals? And we talk about it as a class and we kind of bounce off of each other. And then we kind of dived into the magazines and what we're going to put on there. So, Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the same time, this should, this thing shouldn't be like 30 minutes or an hour thing. It should be, like you said, like a one minute really quickly, just get whatever you have in your head, jot it down and you know, we'll have time later on to, to address it or put extra things on it. Um, the thing I always tell the students for this brainstorming or this mind map part of it is like, this is not going to get graded you know, I'm not going to grade you on, on how you think or your thought process. And I, I again, I don't want to pressure the students like, you know, you need to have, quality ideas written down. Uh, What I might do is like, all right, just a minimum of five things. But other than that, pretty much let them write whatever it is that comes to their head. Uh, and I've seen some teachers where they have them share their ideas with their classmates, either like in a small group or a whole group environment. But the big emphasis is again, like even though we're sharing with our classmates, this is still like in an individual and personal project, just because you know, my friend here says he wants to be a carpenter, doesn't mean I'm like, oh, I want to be a carpenter too. <laughs> yeah. So again, individual idea, individual project and, when they're sharing, I'm more like a facilitator type uh, role where I'm just guiding the students a bit. I'm like, all right, you know, we're getting off topic. All right. Is this, is this really uh, realistic? Um, because again, I, I want the students to, you know, we know that students are most likely to push, to push towards their goal and like really be motivated if they take that ownership, uh, kind of like the same role how we treat our belongings versus how we treat others' belongings. You know, if someone gives me a car, not only will I be grateful, but, you know, obviously I'll take good care of it. But if I bought it, I, I think I'll take care of it a little bit more because you know, I paid those thousands of dollars to, to, to buy that car. So kind of the, kind of the same idea, you know, if it's, if it's their own idea without not too much influence from, from me or the teachers or even the classmates, and they'll be more invested in it. yeah they'll be more likely to you know be motivated to to Mm -hmm. reaching their goals what kind of role do you play when i guess even in the collaborative process when students are starting to write out their goals
1: i think um for me with my students i really value collaboration like it's their education, but I want to collaborate with them to help them get to their goals. Um, so usually with goal setting, I do it three times a year. So at the beginning of the year, um, actually, I feel like I do it four. And usually what I do with them is I sit down with them after they make their goals. And I'm like, okay, what are we... How are we going to accomplish this? Like, What are you going to do to accomplish this? So we kind of have a one-on-one conversation about it and then um, I put it in their portfolio so then they're able to reflect on it later. Um, So we more so on my end, I kind of guide them like, how can you do this? What steps can you take at this very moment to perform this goal? So that's kind of how I have facilitated and collaborated with my students.
0: I like it. I like it. And for me, the the younger students, or even uh, special needs, or even some uh, ELL students, I kind of have them start off um, with small, uh, sh- small, and short term goals um, because it can kind of be abstract. Um, you know, when you think about it, you know, you know, tell me what you're going to do in five years or 10 years, you know, it can be a, a lot of pressure for some of these students. So I, I try and have like, all right, let's, let's start with a short term goal, you know, kind of help them out with those early successes. Like for example, like, give me a goal, what you want to do by the end of this week. Um, you know, do you want to turn down your homework? Do you want to work on asking for a break? Uh, so by having these students just have these short term small goals, um, it really kind of helps set up that that momentum to start creating these you know longer longer bigger uh, bigger goals um, and you know, I'm gaining their conf comp- they're building that confidence they have in themselves they're starting to believe like oh I'm capable of doing of achieving these abilities starting small and then. You know, getting big, kind of like the, the little, taking those little baby steps. Do you, do you help these students? I guess even just even starting with short term, like small goals.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that's why I do goal setting three to four times a year because I want them to check in. Like, did you accomplish these goals if you didn't? How can we like rework this goal? And I think at the beginning of the year, I tell them, you know, don't just say you want to get good grades because everyone wants to get good grades. I think that's like the most stereotypical thing (laughs) that students do (laughs) for goal setting. I'm like, you need to be specific and you need to keep it small at the moment, because with each baby step, you could eventually get to that big, big step, you know, up to the mountaintop and like achieve your goal. So I tell them to be specific and small. That's what I tell them
0: I like that specific and small. Pretty straightforward, actually. <laughs> um... For me, like after, you know, after when we check up on these small goals or whenever it is, I try to have the students reflect um, and then I kind of ties in with the whole growth mindset. So I want my students to constantly be moving forward, to so constantly be learning. You know, for example, if it's a week long goal at the end of the week, I want to ask students all right. How do you think we did? What do we think about the goal? Was it too easy? Do you think, uh, was it too hard? Can we challenge ourselves even more? Um, you know, cause if it's too easy, then we're not really challenging ourselves. You know, if I could do it in my sleep, then you know, what, what's the purpose of even having this goal if I, if I could do it so easily? Um, so again, we, the whole idea is we want to keep growing. You know, we really want to push ourselves. Um. And so, yeah, I don't want to do the same thing over and over again, because if not, that's that's a fixed mindset. Do you have like reflections? Do you have these students reflect on their with their growth mindset?
1: Yeah, I think when they do make their goals, I have them. So. I'm just thinking at the beginning of the year, like I have them make a goal setting sheet and then we come back to that sheet and we compare, um, we look at it and then I'm like, okay, how can you reflect on this? And do you think we need to change your goals? Do you think they need to be adjusted? If so, it's okay because it still means like you want to get there and you haven't gotten there yet, but we probably just need to take a different path and that's okay. And I think students need to feel okay with like, it's okay to make mistakes it's okay if you don't get there at the end of the week. It could take you a month, a year. It could take you even longer, but it's really okay because you'll get there eventually.
0: Oh, I like that. Huh. For, um... For those who don't know, I know you and I have been talking about growth mindset without well, really fully explaining what it is, but <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, we're really like 30 minutes into it and haven't explained what it is, but uh, for, for those who don't know, growth mindset, growth mindset is basically like the belief that we an individual's ability can be further developed through dedication and hard work. And so I'm sure we've all heard of fixed mindset where you believe like no matter how much you try, no matter how much you do, we're always going to be where we are and we can't improve our abilities and growth mindset is the opposite. Basically, you know, it's constant change and always wanting to improve. And, uh, what can I, what can I do better? Uh, basically just wanting to be a better person and kind of like what you said, you know, it could be tomorrow. It could be next year. It could be you know, in a few hours next week. It's always constantly moving forward and constantly growing. What, uh, how do you explain growth mindset?
1: Um, to my students or just in general? Uh, Let's let's start with
0: both. So let's start with yourself in general.
1: I think the way I would explain it is, you know, never give up and show grit. That's probably Mm. my favorite word of all time. Um, (laughs) It's the best word. And I love introducing that word to students because they don't know what it means. They're like, I've never heard of this word before. (laughs) And then when I explain it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's an epic word. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of means like you're resilient and you're relentless and you never give up. So that's how I apply it to myself. But to my students, um, I describe it as the power of yet. Like, don't say I can't. Don't say I can't in Miss Previty's classroom. It's not a good thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> um And I just tell them, like, don't say you can't do it. Just say you haven't gotten it yet. And at the beginning of the year, they would say, I can't. I can't. I can't. Especially with fifth grade math. Fifth grade math is something else. Let me tell you, Um, (laughs) but it's pretty it's fun once you know how to do it and you learn how to do it. But um And my students were like, oh, I can't do this. Fifth grade is just too hard. And I'm like, hey, and I would like cut them off. I'd be like, don't say you can't. And then I would correct them and say, say, I haven't gotten it, but I will get it and I haven't gotten it yet. And eventually they just got into the habit before I could even correct them when they said I can't. Oh, wait, I haven't gotten it yet. So that was nice when they started doing that. Um, But I guess an example that I've shown it in the classroom, um, it was a fifth grade math lesson and we were regrouping fractions, um, which is a pretty hard and abstract concept for them. And the day before, um, they were just like, they could not get it. They were like, I give up. I can't do this. There were tears shed. And then the next day we came back with fresh minds and I played eye of the tiger because I'm like, guys, we're going to get this. It's going to be fine. And I had them repeat after me some affirmations. I'm like, I am good at math. Or I will be good at math. So it was nice um, to do that. And I even did, I believe that I can do this too. I believe that I can solve regrouping fractions. So that's kind of how I explained it in my classroom and how I used it with Eye of the Tiger. It was my most played song in 2020 because of that moment. So <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. But did you, yeah.
0: did you do the whole boxing montage with them? She like,
1: they, one air, of my students fighting the air. <laughs> <laughs> one of my students is like, Oh, can you show it? Can you show <laughs> that Rocky scene? And I'm like, I don't think I'm allowed to show that right now. So, but they loved it. And I was playing it during the whole math block and I had to like lower it down because I'm like, guys, you're singing it and you're not (laughs) doing your work. (laughs) That was the whole point for you to do your work. (laughs) Um, But it was pretty epic. It was fun.
0: The image that comes in my head is uh, someone taking an exam and like they're finishing it, and, like they're about to finish. Dun, 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 yep. dun, dun. And, like, ooh, they put it right there on your desk. Done. Yep. <laughs> and they do those uh, what's those fist pumps. Um, mm-hmm. For me, yeah, you're right. I do like the the word grit. It's a pretty awesome word. The, <laughs> The first time I explained it, the kids got confused. They're like, "You talking about the porridge? No, 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 not grits. <laughs> grits, <Yeah>. Grit <laughs> Grits is good too, but grit is, uh, you, know, you know, like you said, you know, trying hard uh, no matter what, and the whole power of yet. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good word to put in their vocabulary. <laughs> Um, going back to the whole goal setting, I know uh, I mentioned making sure they're realistic and attainable and you did too, um, but I also want to make sure they're also great, appropriate. Say for example, uh, for example, I, I have kindergarteners. So I'm not gonna tell them their goal is not gonna be like, all right, you're gonna sit down quietly for 30 minutes. So it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's not realistic. Or even with your upper grade, like third grade, almost only slightly upper grade, but third grade again, you're not gonna have them. All right, you're gonna read a Hunger uh, Hunger Games book or you're gonna read a Harry Potter book. It's it's not uh it's not totally realistic unless you know unless this child's a prodigy. But again, I, uh, making sure that Realistic and attainable, and I try and be hands off as much as I can because, uh, again, I don't I don't want to have so much influence on these students' goals. I want them to take ownership of it. Um, I'll step in only if the goals completely out of the realm and completely unrealistic. Um, but yeah, I tell them that, you know, if they have like an unrealistic goal, be like, all right, I like where you're going here. I like, I like the ambition, like how you're you're reaching for the stars, but let's see what, you know, let's see what else we can do. For example, I try and make that big, like overreaching goal into a smaller goal. Uh, For example, going back to the chapter book, like if if a student wants to read like 300 pages or even like 100 pages, I'll be like, all right, why don't we cut this in half? Why don't you say, and why don't you say, why don't you something about reading maybe 50 pages uh, in a chapter book? And so I'm trying to take their idea, but just make it more attainable. Um, But yeah, so how how do you mentor students who have like those really, really ambitious goals that sometimes can be unrealistic and unattainable? (laughs)
1: Yeah. So I had one student, so she was an avid reader, read all the time. Um, and her goal was to read all the books in my classroom library. Um, Meanwhile, I have so many books in my library. I'm like, well, how I sat down with her and I was like, how are you going to get through all of those? Like, what can we do this month? How many books do you think you can get through this month? So we just, again, made it small, made it specific. Um, or I, I even said, like, how many books maybe do you want to read in a month instead? Because she was just an avid reader. She read like a book a week. Um So... I just said, you know, we let's see how far we get or, you know, um, let's just keep it small for now. Let's keep it attainable and see where you go week by week. And if you feel like we need to adjust your goal, that's okay. So I guess I take the same approach you do. Um, Just kind of dial them in a little bit and ask them, how can we make this attainable in a month? What can we do? Keep it short and short term.
0: Yeah. The whole thing is, uh, letting them out, letting them down. Easy. Um, yep. Obviously, I'm not going to say like, <laughs> I'm not going to laugh <laughs> in their face. Be like <laughs> That will be the day. No, I can't. No. like, all right, all right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's see what we can do. Let's, let's chunk this down to smaller, 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 much smaller goals. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> with, with me, I guess also besides just being obtainable and realistic, I try not to be specific. And I know you mentioned that earlier, uh, being specific because if we don't then it kind of leads to procrastination and for me there's been plenty of situations where like there's something i really need to get done whether it's a report or iep report that i need to write up and i just get lazy and i don't hold myself accountable and i'll say something along the lines oh i'll do it later oh Yeah, I'll finish it at a different time. But if I don't really give myself that hard deadline, then that's just really me either setting up myself to to really just do it last minute. (laughs) So yeah, being generic or being too broad can be confusing for our students, especially for some of my students. I think also for ELL students where time can kind of be too abstract. I I work with special ed right now. And so they know their days of the week. um, They know the months, but if I say later, that's totally different for every student. Uh, If I say, well, we'll do it at a different time, then for them, like, all right, that's in uh, one second or is that Tomorrow. So it, it, it can be confusing for them. Um, and for example, even another example where you have a student say, Oh, I'm going to get good grades or I'll do better in school. All right, what does that mean? What is do better or what is get good grades. Uh, good grades is, uh, all A's is that a B is, uh, you know, one B one C and then you know, do better in school across all subjects, maybe one subject, do want to be better behavior academically, more attendance. So yeah. So the whole thing is being specific. Do you emphasize like making the goal specifics with your students?
1: Yes, 110%. I think I preface to my fifth graders. I'm like, if you're not specific, I won't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm just like, um, if you say you want to get good grades, well, how, what class, what, what do you want to get good grades in? Do you want to turn in your homework on time? Do you want to get a good grade on a project? Like what? Do you want to get better at collaboration with your peers? Like, what is it? What is your goal boil down to really? What what is it that you want to accomplish? Um, obviously, letting them down easy and letting them know, like, OK, like, how can we get here? So I tell them you have to be specific when you explain your goals. That's so important.
0: Yeah, that's all about you know, being specific because, again, I. Uh, uh, it kind of reminds me, like you know, this teacher who said, "All right, if you don't put your name on your test, and <laughs> I'll throw it away." Again, no. so like, all right, this is this goals really broad. Like, how are you going to do this? Like, uh, you say you want to do, you know, be a better student. You say you want to, you know, whatever it may be. But you tell me how. Like, what is it is that how how are you going to be and ach- achieving this goals? Be specific with with your timelines and, uh, the way you're going to measure it as well. Um, <laughs> but you know, I guess that kind of leads to the next thing about when we're working on his goals, how do we keep track if I'm on, if I'm doing well or not? And uh, I guess this is where the short and long-term goals really come in play. Uh, even for me, we're dealing with IEPs. We have the like short term goals, uh, kind of like a checkpoint to see or evaluate, you know, do we need to make adjustments or not? Did I surpass my goal? Um, or am I just super behind? And it's a really good uh, place to, to evaluate and, and make those adjustments on the spots. Um, for example, if uh, if I surpass my goal at the midway point, or even just way before the midway point, I'd be like, all right, this goal wasn't challenging enough. I'm not really pushing myself. or I'm not really reaching for you know for that growth mindset. And so I'll change it. I mean, same thing. If I'm really struggling, if I'm really behind, then all right, maybe I should alter my goal. Uh, based on how I'm doing, um, and I think that's something that's been happening with the pandemic as well. Things that we seem, you know, realistic all of a sudden, we need to take an account for because the pandemic things aren't as attainable. So that's that's one thing we need to keep uh, count as well. Uh, I do like um, with working with the younger students is kind of having some kind of visual representation of your of your goal tracking or data tracking, and I know. Sticker charts are pretty popular. Um, I know there's lots of teachers that kind of do like these sticker charts for for like reading. Um, for example, if uh, you know you get a sticker for every book that you read, and you can track it that way. And it, it's nice having these these charts so the students can see where they're at right now. Like, you know, take a quick glance. You know, am I am I halfway there? Am I almost there? You know, am I so behind? So it's nice having something visual to to track for students to reference whenever they want. And I have these kind of posted around the classroom as well. Do you have students like track their goals or their progress?
1: Yeah. So I use portfolios. Um, so at the beginning of the year, I get all the students a plain white binder. It's like one inch, and I get sheet protectors and everything. And at the end of the day, every Friday, I pass out all their work. And I'm like, grab your portfolios if you want to put this in your portfolio. And I always emphasize, please date your work, because when you put it in your portfolio, it's already in order at that point. Um, and then you can see how far you've come. And that's also helpful for parents to see. It's helpful for the kids to see. And if you're going into an IEP meeting, you already have all this evidence too. like, this is the progress they've made. Let's see how we can adjust and the kids. You know, I had some kids, it's self-directed, so I had some kids like fill up their binder with so much of their work. And then some kids, you know, they were pretty humble and modest and only filled it up with some things. So it's really self-directed and it's nice for them to take it home at the end of the year and see, wow, this is all I accomplished in fifth grade or whatever grade. So that's how I track their progress. Mm, I like
0: the whole idea of the self-directed ones. and. Them really putting the materials or the content that they want to put in the portfolios because some students are really proud of certain pieces of work that they have and some, you know, they're aware of what's their best work essentially. Yeah. Um. One thing for me, when it comes to students making progress, I like incorporating the whole growth mindsets, um, praising the effort or the progress and the hard work. Um, I know there's some that I like to praise saying things like, Oh, you're so smart or oh, you're so gifted or, um, you have so much talent, something like that. And those things might be nice to hear, but it's really just focusing on fixabilities i rather focus on students having that growth mindset, so really stepping up for the challenge or really being persistent, uh, you know, the word here, <laughs> keyword here is grit. And so <laughs> it, it's important to praise when students also learn from their mistakes. And, you know, I praise my students saying, oh, I like how you kept working hard or I like how you learned to blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, I absolutely avoid trying to say things like, "Oh, I like how you didn't make a mistake. I just sent the wrong message," <laughs> because we're all, we all make mistakes. I make mistakes as part of life and part of learning. It's part of growing, essentially, and we should all learn from our mistakes. Do you, do you have a special way of praising uh, students on on their growth?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, usually I tell them I'm also specific when I, um, praise them on how far they've grown. Um, because I like, I, it's too generic to say, like you said, Oh, you're so smart. Well, what makes me smart? You know, kids want to hear what they're good at and they want to hear you get specific. So, I usually say, you know, you are an incredible writer. The way your imagery is, the way you use similes and metaphors is amazing. Um, and usually what I do, I do kind of like the sandwich model, like I start off with like a compliment and then in the middle, like one or two things they can work on. And then I wrap it up with like, you did awesome. And I say like something else great that they did. Um, so that's kind of how I've praised my students and how I want to see or address them. And I want to see how can you rise to the challenge that I just gave you to work on too. Um, so that's kind of, I handle it with the sandwich model. That's how I kind of praise them.
0: I like that. I like the sandwich model. <laughs> um, I know earlier we were <laughs> talking about how you have your students uh, start the ghost, uh, you, the, the power of I will. Um, and I, I really like that because I get students in that, that, that mindset, like I, I'll get there and you know, I might not be there now, but I will get there. And, for students that might have that that low confidence and them saying, "Oh, I can't do this. I'm not do this. I'll never do this," um, the power of yet really comes in play. And of course, we want students to meet these goals, and we need to provide them lots of opportunities for students to try these challenges. For example, you know, if a student you know has the goal of being able to add uh, multi-digit problems, but I don't give them the opportunity to practice. <laughs> I'm setting them up to fail. Um, you know, growth mindset is all about facing these challenges and having that positive attitude. Like, for example, if, if I'm another example, if you want someone to learn how to drive, if they you never give them opportunities to get behind the wheel and drive, it's not going to work out. So you're not I'm setting them up to fail. And the same thing in the classroom. Like, if I want the student to get better at this, let me give them as many opportunities as I can. I I know it'll be challenging in the beginning. It might not be, you know, we're working on these goals or on these skill sets because it's something that needs to be improved. So it'll be hard in the beginning, but staying positive uh, with that attitude, like, all right, um, I will get there. I'm not there yet. Uh, so just trying to have that positive attitude. And again, I, I let my know students uh, let my students know that you know if everything comes in easy, then we're not really pushing ourselves. You know, we really should be challenging ourselves. And if something comes without practice or even needing like that challenge, we're not really in the growth mindset. So provide as many opportunities as they can for them to practice um, to help challenge to them. Do you provide lots of opportunities for these students to to work on their goals?
1: Yeah, I think when we were in the classroom, um, I really love small group time um, and being able to differentiate instruction and accommodate to my students needs within small groups because, you know, you see a small group of five kids for like 20 minutes and You can challenge them as much as you want and you can review if you need to. Um, even for my higher students, um, for, you know, if they wanted something else to do, um, I gave them an independent research project, um, if they wanted to do that. Um, so I provide a lot of opportunities and options for my students. Um, but I really miss small group and having it in the classroom so that was a big way um i differentiated and gave students the opportunity to work on their goals too
0: yeah i miss small groups i mean i do it virtually now but
1: mm-hmm. it's not, the, yeah,
0: it's yeah, not, it's it's not the same yeah
1: yeah
0: it's not the same yeah attitude's everything uh, I know there are some days where I wake up, Actually, I just don't want to wake up. <laughs> uh, I know it's gonna be a rough day, lots of things to do. That's just, it's gonna be rough, but I try to have that positive attitude to help me get through the day, you know, to really help me build that confidence. And I try and model the behavior uh, with the students. Sometimes I'll think out loud the problems that I have at task. And uh, you know, really verbalizing the whole thought process, be like, "Hmm, this is hard. Let me try this. All right, that didn't work. It's it's still okay. Let me try something else." And I'm really. Yeah, you know, vocalizing that that process for the students like, all right, you know, it's okay. If, you know, I, Ms. Morales does it, you know, you're, you're more than welcome to do it. You're really more than welcome to have this thought process out loud saying, all right, that didn't work. Let's try something else. And like, I know this is hard, but let's keep trying. You know, like, oh. Again, the whole I will and that the, the power of yet. I didn't get it yet, but I'm going to keep trying. Do you, do you help students with just having that positive attitude for facing their challenges and you know, your favorite word, grit?
1: Mm hmm. Um, So I think I kind of talked about this earlier, but can't is a word that's not allowed in my classroom. It's a curse word. (laughs) (laughs) It's not allowed. Um, And, you know, I just give them affirmations too, where they have to repeat after me for example, like in that instance was math. Um, we came back the next day. I'm like, guys, you're going to repeat after me. I, I believe, I believe that I believe that we can do math. And then we like start a chant almost. Um, and even motivational music I would put on in the background too, for a small group, you know, instrumental, um, music, whether it be Disney or I have the tiger, things like that. um, to get ready for whatever is at... whatever they have to do Um, so that's kind of how I get them ready Um, and I even for them for morning meeting you know we would do like a social emotional journal and it would give them challenges where in the journal that we would have to solve together and we would discuss real life issues in class so I think that's another way to have them practice how do you approach a challenge
0: Mm. so so, the lesson here is always play either tiger.
1: So always play. That is a crowd pleaser. Um, don't show the fight scene to kindergartners, yeah. but you can reenact it yourself. <laughs>
0: Uh, uh, earlier, you and I were talking about the you know short and the small term goals, and I, I, I like celebrating, and I, I know you like celebrating too. The the, the successes, the whether it's it's little successes, and I encourage students to celebrate each other's successes. You know, I will say congratulations to Juliana for learning to write her upper and lowercase letters. Uh, again, try avoiding saying "Wow, Juliana, you're so smart," um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I'll send the wrong message for those students who are. Students Working on their upper and lowercase. Uh, if I say something like "Wow, you're so smart," uh, it's it sending it the wrong message. Basically, saying like, "You, Tommy, you're not smart for for not knowing your upper and lowercase letters." Uh, and so I'm, I'm trying to praise the growth here. You know, praising students and having students praise each other really motivates. It's, I think it's better hearing praise from other students than from me. Um, so that's why I really encourage students like, all right, let's, you know, let's, let's give a round of applause to, to Erica and to, to Tommy here. And again, praising the growth um, and the grief. So do you encourage students to, I guess, acknowledge each other's successes?
1: Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I think um, especially this year, too, I feel like my goal this year was to make a welcoming and safe classroom environment, um, especially online. It's so hard to develop those relationships online. So that was my priority. Um, And even my priority was, you know, if the only thing they really get out of this is relationships, then I won as a teacher Um, obviously content's important, but in class, I always have them, you know, I give out star student this year for small group and it's someone who's focusing, who's practicing their English, who's cheering on their classmates and that's one of my expectations like be happy for one of your classmates if they do well and it's really translated and they're like yeah good job you did it you know it's so nice to hear that they're like round of applause you got star of the day i'm so proud um so it's been really nice so yeah i definitely have them encourage one another
0: oh my uh my old school, I really liked it when the presentations or the awards, it was actually students giving each other awards instead of the principal or the teacher. And I always thought it was, that's a nice touch. It's, it's nice yeah. receiving uh, that praise and recognition from fellow students. So, um, yeah, I guess the last thing I would want to say is normalizing mistakes, uh, even express failures, in a more positive light, um, you know, especially, you know, if, if for example, if, if a student makes a mistake, you know, I want them to try again, you know, because just because he failed doesn't mean like, all right, that's it, game over. You know, I want them to try again, you know, like provide opportunities for them to improve their grades, grade, so you know, use a redo over, here's a, I'll reteach it, um, instead of saying you're wrong, be like, all right, um, let's try again. Or I'll say, you know, I'll be all oh, right, all right, I like how you're trying. Let's let's try another approach. And I I want to show them that mistakes are all part of learning. If a student struggles and I could reteach, um, then I can provide another opportunity for them to try again and then praise them even if they <laughs> made uh, one less error and they still got the problem wrong. I still praise them. I'm like, "All right, I'm glad you didn't make the same mistake. I'm glad you know, we got a little bit closer. So again, making mistakes, it's, it's all, it's, it's okay. As long as we learn from them, it's all part of the process. It's all part of the, that growth mindset. And so as long as we're making improvements, even if it's small, you know, we're good. Do you emphasize like that? It's okay to make mistakes. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. The, a side note, the big, a song that comes to mind is the Hannah Montana song. <laughs> um, everybody makes mistakes. Um, but anyways, that was a, I digress. Um, <laughs> I think it kind of starts with how you set up your classroom at the beginning of the year. Um, you have to make it a risk-taking zone and a no-failure zone. Like No one's going to be mad at you if you make a mistake. I will be happy if you raise your hand and you participate, and at least you tried. And It's okay if you don't get the answer right. It's totally fine, but it all comes down to how you set up your classroom environment. And these two, um, I found them on Instagram. I think it's hope and Wade King. And I wanted, they have this book, I think it's called the wild card and they have so many great classroom management strategies. And one that I wanted to try, but you know, the pandemic happened, um, Was cheering on your classmates if they didn't if they're stuck on the answer like don't just go like do you want to phone a friend like have like start cheering them on to give them the confidence like yes you can answer the question because sometimes it feels like oh I have to phone a friend ooh that doesn't feel good Um, sometimes it's necessary but I think practicing cheering each other on and again it comes down to how you set up your classroom environment you have to set up a no failure zone. You can take risks. And to cheer each other on. So that's how mm. I'd sum it up.
0: I like it. Yeah, to, mistakes is an equal failure, and that's that's important to, to say. And I like how you say it's a you know a risk. You know, don't be afraid to take a risk. I really like that. Um. And yeah. And you know, with that being said, is there any advice that you would give to new teachers or those thinking about entering the educational field?
1: Um. Play "Eye of the Tiger." <laughs> <laughs> but i guess in all seriousness play eye of the tiger but you know set up your environment where it's a no failure zone and your students can take risks and you know set that up from day one that's my biggest takeaway and my biggest piece of advice
0: all right and with that being said this has been another episode of teachers care society i want to say thank you to today's guest get her in
1: and most importantly Listeners, see you next time.